Welcome to the You Debate Sports Podcast, the new sports podcast that's bringing the debate to the fans. From football to basketball to baseball, let your voice be heard by joining our community of fans. And now, it's time for your host, Ken Bone. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the You Debate Sports Podcast. Today is April 23rd, and today we're going to be talking a little NBA playoffs. But before we get into that, I just want to give a real quick shout-out to Sean Manaya of the Oakland Athletics, throwing a no-hitter against the hottest team in baseball, a team that's scoring five, six runs a game, blew out the Angels, another really hot team, and he comes in, no-hits them. Shout-out to them. You know, there was that one play with Marcus Simeon going back on the ball, Hit off his glove, dropped it. They didn't know whether it was a hit or an error. The official score gave it a, uh, excuse me, an error. And I think that he should stand by that call. You know, they even talked to Red Sox manager Alex Cora, who was a former middle infielder, and he he said that that ball's got to be caught. That ball, that play has to be made, which entails that it actually is a hit. And that's coming from the Red Sox manager, the team that got no hit. So that means a lot. Congratulations, Sean Manaya. Also, guys, wanted to give you an update that we're going to be coming out with our mock draft article. It's not going to be like other mock drafts, you know, guys. Mock drafts suck. Everybody has mock drafts. They're all the same. This is going to be a little different. It's going to be a little different spin. So hopefully we can get that out Tuesday. we got the draft coming up on Thursday. Uh, give you guys a little time to check it out and look it over. But right now we're going to get into playoffs. The first game we're going to talk about is the Bucks versus the Celtics. And boy, what a series this has been. You know, you start off in game one, you got Terry Rozier crossing up Bledsoe, putting the Celtics up three with .5 seconds left. Nobody thinks they has a they have a chance. Nobody thinks they got a shot. The Bucks, that is. But what does Middleton do? With .5 seconds, drains a three to send it into overtime. Obviously, the, the Celtics go on to win it, and they, they take both games at home. Home quarter advantage is so important. And then they go to they go to Milwaukee in the third game, and the Bucks just absolutely destroy them. The Celtics can't get anything going. The Bucks are that was the game that Middleton got hot and <laughs> drew Bledsoe, as Terry Rozier likes to call him. Had a pretty good game in that game three. So that brings us to game four, which was yesterday, the first game on the four game slate. And uh, boy, what a game that was! The Bucks once again go up big at half. Double-digit lead, up by 20 at one point, against a Boston Celtics team that's the number one team in terms of defensive efficiency. And they're putting up points on them. But then again, Boston doesn't have their two best scorers in in Kyrie and and Gordon Hayward, but everybody knows that. But the Celtics bring it back. Through the efforts of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're able to bring it back and even tie up the game. They took the lead at one point, actually, which was in the last two minutes, which was the, one, the first point since the score was 14-13 in the first quarter that the Celtics had actually led. Now, the Bucks then did end up pulling off this win with a tip-in from Giannis after a miss, and they did pull it off 104-102. But if I'm the Bucks, I'm not feeling too, too happy about myself, about our effort to have a team on the ropes like that, up 20, on our home court, and to let the Celtics and two young players and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown lead a comeback like that, lead a charge where our defense couldn't stop anything, where we just didn't even try on the defensive side of the ball, I can't be feeling good. 
can't be feeling good. Especially after we're already down 2-1. And we almost go down 3-1. That, that just can't happen. And I'm glad that Giannis is getting the success that, that he really deserves. I know he's young. He's 23. One of the greatest talents in basketball right now. And he needs to win playoff games to be considered in that top five player argument. And a lot of people are saying that, oh, he can't win playoff games. He's not going to be top five. But the Bucks are not a good defensive team. Let, let's break this down for a second. Jason Kidd was the coach of this, the Bucks to start the season. Gets fired. Now you got interim coach Joe Prunty. Joe Prunty. We're giving up 102 points, blowing a 20-point lead to a Boston Celtics team that doesn't have a bona fide score. How does, how does that happen? And we're saying that Giannis isn't a top five because he can't win playoff games? It's his team. It's the system. The system that he's playing in is absolutely terrible. When you give up the second highest percentage in terms of three-point shots in the league where it, there's a three-point epidemic, you're going to lose a lot of ball games. And it's because they send help on drives from one pass away and don't rotate over. So all it takes is an easy pass to a wide-open shooter and the entire defense is out of position. And I don't think it's that he doesn't have any help either. I know Bledsoe's not really a long-term plan. He's more of a short-term guy. But Chris Middleton is one of the most underrated shooting guards in the league. Thonmaker, I don't really know what we got there. He played good at home, but he, what is he really on the road? I, I think he played four minutes combined in the first two games. Is he a player you're only going to be able to play at home? I don't know. But he's certainly, the talent's there. I mean, he's able to knock down shots from beyond the arc, as well as, I think he blocked six shots in that game three emphatically but even with the talent they have if they had a somewhat decent coach I mean if they had Brad Stevens as their coach this team is a number one seed but they don't unfortunately they have the talent to be they certainly have the talent to be they have former rookie of the year Malcolm Brogdon potentially could be one of the best two-way players in the league going forward the former Virginia Cavalier but they need a new coach they need a good defensive system if they could have a at least a halfway decent defense, this team would be a five-seed minimum. We're talking about the Pacers as a five-seed right now. Do you think they have even close to the talent that this team has? Absolutely not. I mean, they got Oladipo, but is Oladipo even a top-20 player? We'll get to that in a second, but the Bucks arguably have a top-five player in the league, and you're an eight—well, seven-seed. You're a seven-seed, losing to a two-seed without their top two scores. Now, is that to say they can't pull off the series? Absolutely not. Is that to say they can't play well moving forward? Absolutely not. Anything can happen when Giannis goes on a run. He can score with the best of players in the NBA, but it's a matter of whether or not they can stop teams on defense, and that's what I'm really going to be looking forward to seeing in these next few games. Oh boy, we got to move on to the Pelicans and the Blazers now. Did we think that the only sweep from the NBA playoffs would be the Blazers? The Trailblazers of all teams, the three-seed, the team that had Dame Lillard, an MVP candidate, no longer. Absolutely no longer. And it's not because of the coaching. Terry Stotts is one of the top coaches in the league and deserves recognition for a possibility of coach of the year. I don't think he'll get it. I think there's Dwayne Casey. I think there's Brad Stevens, Quinn Snyder, Nate McMillan, all those guys. I mean, those guys are fantastic coaches. But Terry Stotts certainly deserves it. Let's look at the roster that he has. I mean, you're paying... 
a role player, a bench player, in Myers Leonard. You're paying him nearly as much as your starting point guard in Damian Lillard. There's clearly some dysfunctionality when it comes to this roster. And Terry Stotts did as best he could. Now, do I think that the Blazers should have gotten swept? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But this Pelicans team, this is a good Pelicans team. Led by Anthony Davis, who has definitely put himself in conversation as a top three player in the world. And without a doubt, he's top five. You know, you got in the mix. You got LeBron, KD, 1-2. There's probably, you could probably debate, you know, whether or not KD's the second best player in, in the world. But I think those two are pretty solid there. And you got, behind them, you got Harden, Anthony Davis, Giannis. You could throw Westbrook in there, Steph Curry, all those guys. But you, without a doubt, have to put a Anthony Davis in that top five players now. After averaging 30 points per game throughout that series against a Portland team that isn't really that bad on defense, they're actually top 10 in every major defensive statistical category. You guys can check out our article on uh, whether or not the Blazers were a serious playoff threat. Clearly, they're not after getting swept by the Pelicans in the first round. However, they weren't a bad defensive team, and Anthony Davis dropped 30 points a game, and knocked him out with a 40-point game. This dude's unreal. You know, if Steph doesn't come back, this Pelicans team might be a threat. They beat him coming down the home stretch there by uh, three or four points at the end of the season. The Pelicans beat the Warriors without Steph. I think even with Steph back, uh, it's going to be tough. But with the guard play that the Pelicans are getting from playoff Rondo, playoff Rondo, if he played like that throughout the season... This dude is a first ballot Hall of Famer. The way that he can orchestrate his offense, the way that he can command and distribute to his players. Now, is he the only reason why they won the series? Absolutely not. Drew Holiday played some fantastic defense. And he scored 40 points. But Rondo assisted on 30% of the shots that both Davis and Holiday made. And coming back to Drew Holiday's defense on Damian Lillard, couldn't even average over 20 points per game in the series and he comes out and says that you know it's the best defense he's faced if you're trying to make a case for most valuable player or you're trying to make a case that you're a top five point guard in the lead don't you have to make adjustments don't you have to win one game you can't just tell me that you're gonna roll over i don't care if drew holiday is a first team all nba defender which he's certainly making a case for in this series but you have to make adjustments if you're Dame Lillard. And I think Dame's a great player. A little underrated. But I can't make a case for him any longer if he's going to just keep getting swept in the playoffs. I know last year I had Golden State. But this year's a three seed. Hmm. Something's going to have to be done. And so that's, that's that in the Pelicans-Blazers series. Did we think that the Blazers, of all teams, would be the only team in the NBA playoffs to get swept? Not even the San Antonio Spurs. Not even the Spurs without Kawhi against the Golden State Warriors got swept. Anyways, that's enough bagging on Dame and, and, and the Blazers. Pelicans, Pelicans look nice. Pelicans look nice. That brings us to uh, the Thunder and the Utah Jazz. Now, we want to talk about playoff point guard. We, we look at playoff Rondo. We look at what Drew Holiday did to Damian Lillard. Absolutely shut down an MVP candidate. And we look at Ben Simmons, the second coming of Magic Johnson. 
for the Philadelphia 76ers, taking them to a 3-1 lead over a Miami team that a lot of people are sleeping on. I mean, I know they're down 3-1, but this team's not bad. And what the 76ers have been able to do with their young roster, without even Embiid for the first two games, is absolutely outstanding. However, the point guard that nobody's really talking about, it's Ricky Rubio. In that game three of the series, Rubio absolutely carried this team with a triple-double. And it wasn't just because of his passing, or his rebounding for that matter, but you know, Ricky Rubio is known more as a passer. It wasn't just for his passing. He turned into Steph freaking Curry out there hitting threes. I mean, this dude was absolutely unbelievable. That's something I've never seen from Ricky Rubio is his ability to shoot. You know, he did have a few performances where he did put up some points, you know, catch him, catch him hot streaks, but never, never quite like that getting hot from three. And then there's Donovan Mitchell, the possible rookie of the year candidate. We have a little story about the race of opposites and our what is the best storyline of the NBA this regular season. Go ahead and check it out at our website, udebatesports.com. But how impressive has this rookie been? I mean, the poise to bring his team past an Oklahoma City Thunder team with experience, with Russell Westbrook, with Paul George, with Carmelo Anthony. Who thought that Donovan Mitchell, at the beginning of the season, would be leading his team to a 2-1 lead over Oklahoma City's Big Three, a team that people thought were NBA contenders? But OKC should be worried. Russ is one of the locks of people in the NBA that you can pretty much guarantee if you're watching Russ, he's going to play hard. But Russ did not show up in Game 3, and it was extremely frustrating to watch. I couldn't even imagine being an Oklahoma City Thunder fan and having to watch that kind of performance from your star player, a player that's trying to make a case for a top-five argument. And we just put up a debate the other day, I think it was Sunday, Saturday, on our Instagram about whether or not Russ will ever win a ring. That's a debate for an entirely different subject, and maybe we can get into that at the end of this series, depending on what happens. Let us know on Twitter. Our handle is at UDebateSports. Yeah, but Russ just didn't show up. You're telling me that the best player of that big three is going to come out and put the triple-double king. I mean, I know he had 11 rebounds. He had 9 assists. But only 14 points? I mean, come on, Russ. With 8 turnovers? I mean, we're basically... What we're doing here, Russ, is we're giving them 8 extra possessions. A team that normally struggles on offense. And we're just handing them extra possessions to enable them to get their offense going. That's essentially what that's doing. And it wasn't because Russ isn't talented. I mean, we all know Russ is one of the most talented players in the league. We all know that. He's making an argument for top five. But he just didn't have that intensity that he normally has. And it was frustrating to watch. But man, have the big three struggled in late game situations. They had that game two loss when they went a combined 0 for 16, only scoring two points, and that was two Russell Westbrook free throws in the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. And it wasn't much better in game three. And it's not to say that it's the big three, it's the fault of the big three, because they have the talent to do it. They have the talent to get it done. And while some of it may fall on their shoulders, a lot of it falls on the shoulders of Coach Billy Donovan. His sets have absolutely no fluidity to them. None. He is getting his players looks where the defender is a foot from them, putting a hand in the face 
And I, I don't know if he's watching the same game as us, but is he thinking those are good looks? Because he is doing nothing, absolutely nothing to get his players open. But even then, I don't, I don't think Melo looks even... I don't think you can call his team a big three. Melo does not look like a great player. Now, that's not to say that I don't want him to be a great player. How awesome would a storyline be where Melo flashes back to his 23-year-old self, carries the Oklahoma City Thunder, and is that something he could do? I mean, it's not out of the equation. Look what Tiger Woods has done, coming back and putting himself in contention. But man, Carmelo, that game, although it was ended up being a blowout at the end against the Jazz Game 3, it was pretty close. And Melo had a shot, a three-point shot in the fourth quarter to tie up the game and just absolutely clanked it. Off the side of the backboard, didn't hit anything. Not rim, not net, just the bottom left side of the backboard. I mean, what are we doing? Is that a type of player that you think is an all... I mean, I get that he's an all-time great talent, but is that a player that you would consider having as a big three? Also a player that the Jazz are switching every screen to try to get their player matched up against Melo? Because he can't play any defense. He's a liability. So what's he really even out there for? I mean, he's no more than an average role player. And if you want to talk about being a role player, I think I think that he's a good role player. I think, you know, he can fit into that that smaller four position, possibly get you some back-to-the-basket shots, but he really doesn't look like a three-point shooter anymore. I know his, his regular season, season stats might be different, but his, his you know, his mid-range game and his back-to-the-basket game is where really where he's going to excel, and that's what Billy Donovan's got to learn. You know, that's where he's got to put him. He's got to put him in those positions to thrive. But I think that this, this series, well, hopefully this series goes seven games because, one, it would be intriguing for, for the fans, for the NBA fans. But, two, the, the Thunder really need this. If they want to keep Paul George there, they're going to have to make this at least close. If they lose in five games, six games, to a five-seed Utah Jazz team, Paul George is gone. He's not coming back. He's going straight to L.A. So hopefully for their franchise, they can they can get at least seven. Hopefully they can win it for, for themselves. But the Jazz, don't sleep on the Jazz. The Jazz are a great team. And that brings us to our late game yesterday. And arguably the most intriguing matchup of the first round. Which is the Indiana Pacers versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Or better known as LeBron James. That's all it is. That's all the Cavs are is LeBron James. I mean, I know he gets a little bit of help. But really, that's... If LeBron's not on this team, they're a lottery team. I know we've said, we've said it before, but are they better than an eight-seed Washington Wizards? Absolutely not. Do the Cavs, without LeBron, beat the Washington Wizards, who are the eight-seed? Absolutely not. I don't think it's a question. Who would be their next best player? Kevin Love? Kevin Love looked like an absolute role player last night. He looked like an absolute liability. They should have taken him out in crunch time and put Tristan Thompson in. And speaking of Tristan Thompson, why is that dude not playing? Is it because of his relationship problems? I mean, at least he's going to keep Sabonis and Turner off the boards. But this this series has been great. This series has been great. Um, yesterday's game, game four, was the first game in which a team didn't lead by double digits in the first quarter. You know, we actually had a close game in the first quarter. It was close, and then <laughs> JR comes out and just drills an 80-footer from inside the Pacers' three-point line. Just drills it like it's nothing, like he's practiced it. Going left, too, so he has nothing on his shot. Just drained. No big deal, JR. But he couldn't do that in the game winner on game three. I mean, I know that's tough to compare, and I know that shot's not going in a lot, but come on, man. (laughs) But we look at the numbers between the halves 
And going into the second half of game four, the Cavs were plus 44 in the first half of the series. And the Pacers were plus 77 in the second half. If one of those teams can figure out the other half that they've been struggling in, the series is going to be over. Even if you're LeBron and the Cavs and you pulled that game off last night, you can't be feeling great about it. You didn't play well. LeBron finally got some help and you guys barely won. And Bogdanovich couldn't hit a shot. I know he hit a few threes, but it wasn't quite like he was in Game 3. And we can't expect him to do that, what he did in Game 3. That was absolutely incredible. But I think this game, and I hope this game, can go to seven games. The fan in me is always rooting for the underdog, and LeBron's never going to be an underdog. That's just the way it's going to be when you're the best player in the world on an individualized sport, such as basketball. But the matchups that the Pacers present for the Cavaliers is, it's troubling. I would be troubled if I was a Cavaliers fan. Because even on offense, the Pacers are not a good offensive team. They shoot the most mid-range shots of anybody in the NBA. The most inefficient shot in the NBA. And your defense is so bad in Cleveland that you're giving up over 100 points a game. Well, they held them to 97 in that game two win, but still, right around 100 points a game. And I think Thaddeus Young has been doing an amazing job defending Kevin Love. I thought it was going to be Miles Turner coming into the series. I thought that the biggest matchup, because LeBron's going to get his. I think that Oladipo's been doing a good job defending him on the perimeter, and even Bogdanovich. But as soon as LeBron spins on Boggy, Bogey, whatever you want to call him, I mean, it's pretty much over. He's getting to the rim when he wants to. When he gets downhill, even when Oladipo's guarding him, it's going to be a struggle. So I think Oladipo's been doing a good job on the perimeter. They've been double-teaming him down low. But that matchup on Kevin Love, they've absolutely shut him down. Thought it was going to be Turner on Love. Actually been Thaddeus on Love. And he's been a non-factor. Whether or not it's his thumb. I know he hurt his thumb, banged it up a little bit. He's losing the ball. But even still, this Cavs team is tired. Tired. They look exhausted. So we'll see how they can rebound for... I know they came out with the win, but we'll see how they can rebound. And that's tough to say with them coming off a win, how they rebound. That's the kind of feel that there is around this Cavaliers team. But you have LeBron James, a guy that's been to seven consecutive NBA Finals. So they're still going to be the favorites, but boy, is this going to be a series. And the last series we want to touch on real quick was the, the T-Wolves on the, on the Rockets. I think this could be a better series than a lot of people think. I know that the Timberwolves barely shoot any three-pointers and the fact that Carl Anthony Towns is probably your best three-point shooter but before Jimmy Butler went down with that knee injury they were actually a three seed so don't sleep on the Timberwolves it's basically just a three seed going up against a one seed so look for especially with another game in Minnesota look for it to be a little bit closer than it was in maybe game two all right guys and that's all we have for our podcast today Thank you guys for listening. I know there's so many other podcasts that you guys could listen to. Thanks for choosing the You Debate Sports Podcast. If you have any questions, topics for discussion, head on over to our Instagram or Twitter, at You Debate Sports, and be sure to check out our mock draft coming out so you can be up to date with all the draft news. And until next time, happy debating.